1: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipshutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the red foo to my sky blue, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm good. I'm not like the Lauren Bennett to your... Goon
0: rock. Goon rock? <laughs> For once, I actually got the reference and was able to come
1: back, sort of. Boom. Well, you know, I, 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 I w- almost went NBA Finals. I almost said, like, Steph Curry to my LeBron James, but I decided to go LMFAO you 2011. Steffi Graf to your Serena Williams.
0: Yeah. Hey,
1: there you go. Serena in the news is French well. Open.
0: You know what happens? Yeah. Say,
1: Look at me oh, yeah.
0: with the sport talk, the talking of the sports.
1: <laughs> well, Keith, as always, welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast. We have a very special show today and for once we're not lying it is actually truly a a special
0: different kind of show
1: it really is we're going to put the charts aside for a second actually we'll, we'll be talking about the charts but not the this week's hot 100 or billboard 200 we will return to that next week but this week is another edition of ask the pop shop that's right we had a bunch of twitter followers give us questions based on pop music and the charts some for keith some for me some for both of us and we are anxious to answer as many questions as possible Also later in the show we have an interview With the one and only Jason Derulo That's right, Jason Derulo stopped by To talk about his new album, Everything Is 4 Which came out earlier this month As well as his hit song, Want To Want Me And upcoming tour dates Keith, it's going to be a great show Before we get started, uh, as always a, a couple housekeeping and, and one a- actual housekeeping note to add from now on So if you like the Pop Shop Podcast and you are not subscribed to us on iTunes already, please do so. That way, you never, ever miss an episode. Also, give us a rating or review on iTunes if you have a free second. We always appreciate that. And hit us up on Twitter. He is at Keith underscore Caulfield. I am at Jason Lipshutz. And one other note, we now have an easy way to get to Billboard's podcast home in iTunes. If you type in the URL iTunes.com slash billboard podcasts that's right podcasts plural itunes.com slash billboard podcast that gives us that gives you your um that sends you i should say to the billboard podcast page in itunes it has both all all four billboard podcasts pop shop podcast the juice must hear music and the alts and our stars are you You part of all four of these
0: podcasts are you just like podcast dude
1: no, I'm only I'm only part of two of these four. So I'm half podcast, dude. Uh, I'm usually on the Must Hear Music podcast. That is our, my colleague Joe Lynch's show. Always happy to join that. That is a music discovery show where we talk about the hot new music. Erica Ramirez, our hip-hop editor, is dropping hip-hop and R&B knowledge every week on The Juice. And then our rock correspondent Chris Payne is up and coming with The Alts and Our Stars. Check all of them out on iTunes. They're, they're all great shows. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to all of them. So, iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Keith, are you ready to rock and roll? Uh, yes. All right, man. Ask the Pop Shop. Like I said, these are real questions from real Twitter users. Thank you to all. <laughs> As opposed to the these fake are, ones that we bots. normally provide you. <laughs> no yeah that that is true sometimes what i i feel like when we did the first at the pop shop we were the the podcast was in its infancy and we had like i mean we got most fan questions but we also had like one or two like friend questions like hey yeah we needed we need some more questions you're kind of you're pulling the curtain away and there's you're looking no, you're no i'm the saying wizard. hey this was like a <clears throat> year and a half ago so i i we've come a long way we've gotten a lot of questions always love doing ask the pop shop so thanks to those who sent in questions we're going to try to get to as many as possible so let's let's do it man um the first one is from at i love re7 i wonder and who sh- i wonder who this person likes
0: could be this ariana person grande? probably
1: likes yeah it could be ariana grande uh, i will say as i always do during ask the pop shop time if i mispronounce anyone's names or anyone's twitter handle I apologize. My last name is Lipshutz. I get mispronunciations all the time. Just remember, lip, shot, 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 shots, 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 shots. LMFAO. Everything goes back to LMFAO. I think Unfortunately, we actually have an everything LMFAO. goes back to LMFAO. Oh, I think we actually have an LMFAO question in here. So, oh, at I re 7 wants to know if a main artist has multiple hits but most are collabs, does that take away from that artist's? success. And hmm. Keith, uh, I, I I think we should both weigh in on this. What, what do you think?
0: I, I mean, we hear that more and more, you know, certainly in the past, like, you know, decade or so where it's become commonplace for collaborations and features and duets and widths and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, basically ever since, you know, kind of like the mid nineties when hip hop really took off in the charts and we had folks like diddy um bringing on a bunch of people you know diddy featuring the notorious big and mace and 112 and 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 now it's just become kind of commonplace especially you know if you want a guest rapper on your song it'll be you know madonna featuring Nicki minaj so i think depending on how you view it um it It could diminish sort of the the chart legacy, I suppose, but it's really, it's just just a different time and place. And um, I think the only time that it really comes into play um, in terms of sort of the success of someone, um, because you'll forever be able to say that you were part of a top 40, top 10, number one song if your name was on the artist billing, you know? Um, 112 will always be part of I'll Be Missing You with... Uh, Puff Daddy and Faith Evans, because they were the featured act. They they sang on it, and they were credited. Yep. So they will forever have a number one hit. Um, I think the only time it gets a little bit murky is when we talk about something like, you know, Lil Wayne has like 5 billion entries on the <laughs> Hot 100 chart. When like, you know, half of those are things that he was featured on, where he just does like 15 seconds of a rap. And, you know, when you have to stack him next to someone like Elvis Presley where all of his singles were as a lead artist and he was the only artist on the track or someone like Aretha Franklin, where all of her songs I think were just her. Well, except for like the George Michael duet, you know, a couple songs here and there yeah. it's, you, you have to sort of just keep that in mind when you discuss the, the mini acts that are now featured on so many other songs.
1: Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you. And you know, this question is is asking about artist success you you took it from a chart success standpoint from a from a pop success standpoint i i agree with you that i i think it's a case-by-case basis i i feel like more and more you see artists using collaborations to to you know prop themselves up and and find a hit that that really sticks with people Ooh, who's propping themselves up and trying
0: to find a hit jason
1: sorry i said
0: who's propping themselves up and trying to find a hit come on spill the names
1: no, I'm, I'm speaking generally. I'm actually not thinking of anybody. I know. Mind. I was just but
0: trying to like, get you to say something <laughs> negative, and you aren't, you aren't going there.
1: Well, what I was going to say is if you look – I think that if you establish your voice and your type of artistry in a, in a way that's meaningful, it doesn't really matter if it's through a collaboration or through a solo track. I mean, if you look at you know going back to this uh, uh, person's I love RE7 favorite artist – Ariana Grande's first handful of singles, a, a lot of her songs were all collaborations. If you think of Problem with Iggy Zelia, you had The Way with Snack Miller, you had a bunch of uh, multiple songs with Big Sean, um, Break Free from Zang with Jessie J. And yeah, so, but the thing is, you can so clearly identify her voice and the type of artist she is that yeah. it doesn't really matter that those weren't solo tracks. I, I... I that I don't think it takes takes away from an artist's success I, if it's done in the right way. I guess that's my answer. Yeah, there's no there's um, there's
0: there's no clean cut answer for this one.
1: Keith, yep, at s i k three three three, a long time uh, listener, I believe that's Stuart Klein. Thanks, Stuart. Wants to know what song has the most separate chart runs, and he mentions "Dear Future Husband" by Megan Trainer, currently on its fifth. I feel like this might be a little. Difficult to answer. For yeah, you. I'll, I'll I'll kick it to you. Unfortunately,
0: and I and a number of these questions, I consulted Gary Trust, who is the other co-director of charts at Billboard, and he also manages the Billboard Hot 100 chart. I consulted with him on this one, and he says, "Well, unfortunately, we don't really have a good answer for this one. Um, it's a little too difficult to research. Um, I, so yeah, I don't I don't know what song has the most separate chart runs, and you know certainly lately with how the chart works, you know you know a chart a song can can pop on and off the chart, you know, first as an album cut or first as just, you know, when the album comes out, you know, because there's a sudden surge of streams and then it goes away, and then it comes back as an album cut, and then comes back as, you know, when someone performs it on TV and then it goes away. And then finally it's worked as an official single and then it, it charts. So nowadays it's a lot harder because a lot of songs can have multiple chart runs. Um, it's not like the olden days where, you know, like chubby checkers, the twist, like has one chart run and then it goes to number one and then it leaves the chart. And then like a year later, it comes back again for another run at number one. Like that's a really unique, separate chart run. Megan Trainor's dear future husband is kind of different. Like just leaving the chart for two weeks and coming back like, well, a little bit different.
1: Uh, So no, the answer is I don't
0: have the answer. I wish I did,
1: but I don't. Well, it's the same thing. If you look at Bad Blood by Taylor Swift when 1989 came out that snuck onto the Hot 100 in the lower reaches and now that it's a single with the the big music video it's back in the top 10 Yep. so Keith let's move on to at Austin A. Graham do you think Adele taking so long to release her next album is going to hurt or help her when do you think it will come out Hmm. so I'll I'll take this one, Keith. Okay. I don't I don't think did you say damn it? <laughs> no, I said okay. Oh, I thought you said damn it like you want it, you wanted to end and you can weigh in as well. I, I wanted to uh I just wanted to say I don't think it's going to hurt her just because there's still such a hunger for Adele music. At least that's the perception I I, I get and it just seems like twenty one was such a huge deal that even if this comes out in the next year or two or three it's 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 still going to be a big deal when she does come back i mean if you look at an artist like justin timberlake who had such a, a monumental success with 2006's future sex love sounds took his time to come back waited till 2013 with the the um his third album and now i, I mean he he put it up in the right way he stoked in anticipation i think Adele's going to do that as well when do you think it will come out i have a feeling i have a feeling we're not too far away and i'm not basing that on anything but i i feel like we haven't heard word in a while i feel like she's been finishing things up i i would not be shocked if it's fourth quarter of this year i'm i i don't think i wouldn't bet my life on it but i wouldn't be shocked either what do you what do you think keith um
0: well about when it's coming well that's anyone's guess
1: yeah that I, is anyone's guess
0: <clears throat> I think we've seen a lot of examples of an artist that will go away for a good long time you know yeah. Sade is a great example Maxwell yes. goes away
1: I actually thought about I, I actually thought about Sade
0: um D'Angelo went away for a while um Don Henley has his first album coming out his first solo studio album this year since I think 2000 um so that's pretty crazy yeah I know right so I mean he, he's worked on Eagle stuff since then but still it's yeah. not quite the same thing um I think, you know, certain artists just take a little bit longer. I don't think it's going to, it's like a hurt or help thing. Um, I think the only time that sort of plays into it is if it's been a long time for something to come out. And then once it does come out, it doesn't live up to the incredible expectations that have been projected onto it, like Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy. Or if, and when, you know like let's pretend like Dr. Dre decided to drop Detox you know Um, it's that sort of thing where there's been so much hype and drama behind something once it does come out if it doesn't live up to it and and there's no way it could possibly could then you know it's so I think I don't think that's gonna happen with Adele though because she's put out two really solid albums that have been embraced by people and I think she knows herself she's like look I'm not gonna make this cruddy so I think she's yeah. doing it the right
1: way. Here's the thing. And I, I think it depends on what kind of artist it is. And, and if it's in, maybe, maybe I, I think it's, let me, let me back up a little bit. I think there's a difference between an artist who people are really invested in as an artist themselves, as they want to buy their album and want to get that full experience versus an artist who comes back after a while after scoring a bunch of hit singles um the one I'm thinking of specifically is Nelly Furtado who who had a bunch of hit singles in 2006 with her album Loose and they were great songs I love I love Maneater and Promiscuous and Say It Right but it wasn't like she wasn't really perceived as an artist where you need to buy the whole album it was it was those tracks that were helmed by Timber Timberland that did so well for her so when she finally finally came back uh, years later, there just wasn't that kind of hunger for n- more Nelly Furtado music, and like you said, it, it didn't live up to expectations with "Hoops." Parentheses: huh. the bigger, the better. Do you remember that track? No, uh, no. Ah, so exactly. I, a, I wasn't
0: really looking for Nelly Furtado either, unfortunately. Yeah. So right.
1: I, but circling back to Adele, I think Adele is that kind of artist where it's like people didn't just like set fire to the rain or rolling in the deep they like that entire album they, they like, like adele. adele as an artist yeah exactly so i think she will be totally fine when she, when she comes back hopefully soon come back adele so yeah, come
0: back to the podcast would love you have on the show yeah. why not
1: let's go come on all right man we, we got to move on so keith a- another question for you and a, li- a little bit of a confusing question but i, I wanted to ask it anyway at Deddy mahardika again, apologies for any mispronunciations, wants to know, is there any chance Uptown Funk will be the song of the decade beating Party Rock Anthem? So we gotta, you know, we gotta mention LFAO, as always. So, I don't know if Party Rock Anthem is necessarily the song of the decade. I assume it's not. But in terms of Uptown Funk, like, do you see this being like a, when all is said and done, obviously we have like half a decade still to go. But... What, what do you think? Do you think this is a, like, will be in, like, the top 10 of the 2010s?
0: I like it because they say, is there any chance? Of course there's yeah. a chance. There's always a chance for anything to happen. Um, so, yeah, there's a chance. But I don't know. I, I'm not going to forecast any much more than that. That's that's, that's a really fine. lame answer. But, you know, I mean, it's a huge number one hit. Anything is possible. And the thing is, been in the top five, at least last week. We don't have the new Hot 100 yet because we're recording this on Tuesday. Um Uh, The the song had been in the top five for, I don't know, I think it's the past four months or something ridiculous.
1: So anything is possible. Anything is possible. It's a tease to 2020 when we release our end of decade uh, charts. Tune in 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 four years. Uh, I think um, it'd be the end of 2019. End of 2019. Yeah, wouldn't it? Tune in in four and a half years. So at British Music Addict wants to know. Uh, hello to the UK if they're listening. Do you think if Tidal focused the launch of on user experience rather than artist benefit it would be doing better? So... We've mentioned Tidal a, a little bit on this show, but we haven't really like talked about onda. it too much. No, I think that no, there one is one at least starting to be a little shift in perception where the the emphasis is on user experience. I know that a lot of people are still unhappy with Tidal, but it seems like they've been ramping up their user-friendly exclusive content. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's what I'm seeing. But if you, if you look at the you know the Nicki Minaj Beyonce video Feeling Myself that was only on title if you the Summer Jam live stream was only on title the Jay-Z B-Sides concert was only available to title users so I think they're trying to change that maybe the this question is is hinting that at the at the beginning it was more about hey artist this is your new home and regular music f- consumers weren't into that but I think it's trying to shift a little bit and I think rather successfully. I've I've heard some people who are getting on board with Title. What do you, What do you think, Keith?
0: Um, I, well, to be perfectly honest, I'm not a a Title user. Um, <clears throat> not because I don't enjoy it. It's just I haven't really gotten into it very much. Okay. Um,
1: I mean, it's still very new. It's only been like two and a half months, I think.
0: Right, and most people aren't using it. So yeah, most people. I mean, I, I would love to see a statistic on how many people actually use any streaming services. Um, because we talk about Spotify and all these things before all these other things all the time. And I think most people consider a streaming service as YouTube. Um, um, and now maybe the new iTunes, Apple service, who knows? Um, well, I think, I think initially there was a lot of backlash just because it's like, Hey, we're these multimillionaires and we're going to finally do artists. Right. It's like, well, I guess. And I think there was just this sort of easy backlash against that.
1: I like your multi-millionaire voice, by the way. <laughs> those Very fat, sultry. Those, those fat cats in Washington um, <laughs> sitting on piles of money at Jay-Z's Rockefeller.
0: Um, Rock Nation. Rockefeller. Um, Rock Nation. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm doing the voices again, Jason. They're coming I back into it. my head. I love it. They're falling out. Um, yeah, I think in the beginning there was some backlash, but I think now they're probably, uh, you know, the, the the fruits of those artists' investments in it. You know, I've, I have the feeling that Madonna's new video um, "Bitch" on Madonna, which is purportedly supposed to have a bunch of guests in it, will probably be on title exclusively. Yeah. So they're leveraging that, um, and you know they're they were they're trying they were trying to get across the idea of how. Um, the audio quality is, you know, much more significant, you know, it's significantly different and uh, more pure on Tidal than other streaming services. Um, so I think it, it's a work in progress. I think it's interesting right now we're at this yeah. weird time where you have Spotify going up against Tidal, going up against the Apple product. And, you know, now it's all about streams, streams, streams. I'm like, is anyone ever really going to buy music again? Like, yeah. like. Have they all just, like, abandoned the idea of selling a download? Or is that just, like, basically Taylor Swift at this point? Like, nope.
1: Only way you can get my music is if you buy it. Well, what's funny is we also have uh, another Ask the Pop Shop question from Adam Bexton, who says, I've always wondered your takes on streaming. Is it saving the industry or just a fad? Um, And you kind of gave yours, I guess, right right then. Well, I mean...
0: You know, offering like someone like, you know, you paid 20 bucks a month for, you know, access to music. Um, And, you know, I mean, the hopes is that you'll pay this monthly installment every month so that at the end of the year, 12 times TK, like 10 bucks a month, oh, it's $120 that I've paid. So that hopefully, you know, maybe that might be more money than you would have spent on music if you purchased it. You know, just to have access to music in the world. Like, if we can get everyone just to pay for music, the access to music, much in the same way people just pay to have TV, or they pay to have HBO, or they pay to have ESPN, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, you 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 know, if we can just get people to get used to the concept of paying for this, you know, maybe that will help us as opposed to just stealing music or listening to it for free or whatever. Um, And that's what they're trying to do. I don't think it's a fad. I think they're trying to find a way to, and I think it's a smart thing, to to shift people into the subscription idea where if I just pay a fee and I just sort of Get used to the idea of not really thinking about like no, it's just ten bucks a month, and I'm totally down with paying ten bucks a month if I can listen to everything that is in the iTunes store. I have no idea what the deal is, but I'm like that's just an example. I'm like yeah. that's cool, and if I can always take that with me and always have it on demand anywhere that I'm at that I have my iTunes, you know, uh, program, that's pretty awesome. Um, but you just have to get people used to the idea, and I think there's there's a whole chunk of people who are used to the idea of everything is free on YouTube. But why am I going to give you money? So yeah, that's the, that's the problem right now.
1: yeah, I think it I've always kind of uh, thought of this era of streaming as like phase one, which is that this is here's the introduction of streaming and and, and again, streaming, Spotify and even even YouTube it's it's less than ten years old, really, this concept of uh, consuming music in this way. Um, iTunes is is uh, uh, older than ten years old, but just the streaming itself. Um, and, and I think that this is phase one in the, in the sense that it's not perfect. And I think that over the next few years, and this is the reason why you see something like Apple Music and why you see something like Tidal is because there are new services that are meant to perfect the streaming experience where, uh, you know, Tidal is, is obviously focused on artist rights and Apple Music is, is trying, to, trying to, I mean, it's the newest, obviously. It's trying to get the best of both worlds. I, I just think that... It'll be interesting to see what that phase two is. And I I don't know what phase two is, but I I have a feeling that it's going to try to thread the needle and get people to have as much music as they want for a price everyone deems reasonable and a price that artists can be happy with. I I think we're not there yet, but I think we're hopefully headed there and hopefully soon. Um, But yeah, there you go. There's the hot take on streaming. (laughs) Pop Shop podcast fans have been thirsting for uh-huh. so Keith yeah uh, we only have time for a few more let's let's try to rocket through them at Anthony Grayson wants to know why do you think age is such a limiting factor in today's musical climate so Aww. this is this is a pretty broad question but I, I what I uh, I'll, I'll try to narrow the focus for at Anthony Grayson you see a lot of veteran artists really struggling in terms of selling albums and, and scoring hits in the past year and a half, you have someone like Mariah Carey, someone like your beloved Madonna, someone like Jennifer Lopez, these these huge superstar divas that are just struggling while, you know, you, you have younger artists like, you know, the, the new artists like Ariana Grande and Five Seconds Summer and Fifth Harmony. They're struggling in a very specific aspect of their career. Yes.
0: Meaning they're not getting play on the radio and not yeah. having like huge individual like single sales. Mariah's doing probably just fine at her Caesars Coliseum show. Yeah. JLo is making bajillions of dollars as a spokesperson, as a judge on American Idol, as an author, she's still in movies, like she's still a megastar. Madonna's, you know, her her arena tour will probably do just fine. So I think, you know, in a specific metric of top forty radio or, you know, a lot of radio airplay and a lot of, like, streams, that kind of thing. It's 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 a young person demographic. You know, radio programmers are programming their stations to appeal to people that are, like, in the age range of, like, you know, 12 to 34 or something. You know, they have very specific demographics that they're going for with, um, you know, because they, they need to get advertisers to want those people to listen to the radio because they're trying to it's an ad supported thing like you know the reason why you hear certain ads on the radio is because those advertisers want a certain demographic of listener to be hearing those ads so there's a reason why ariana grande is played so much on top 40 radio because ariana grande brings in a specific kind of listener that that radio programmer and the sales and the advertisements you hear want to have Listen to that radio station. Uh, that hopefully makes sense. So, Madonna and J Lo and Mariah and Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan and Barbara Streisand all bring in a much older demographic, which is not what these radio stations want. They don't want a bunch of like you know, thirty plus people or forty or fifty listening to those radio stations. Which, in a way, doesn't make a whole lot of sense because those are the ones that have more money in theory. To spend, but that's just the way it is for those particular radio stations. Um, so, conversely, and then I'll shut up look at the Rolling Stones. Like, they haven't had a hit on um, top 40 radio probably since like 1989, 1990. However, they're playing stadiums across America this year. Yeah. And they're selling like 50,000 seats for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars a ticket. Oh, they're doing just fine. So, yeah. I think it depends on wh- how you're looking at. Uh, this particular ageism question, um, and and what specific part of the music world you're looking at.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I mean, everyone's having success; it's just in a different way, maybe a less visible way. If if someone is just paying attention to YouTube and radio and, and, and
0: whatnot, also, and it is worth saying that all these old people, quote unquote, old people that I have mentioned, all started out as like top forty people. They yeah, all started exactly. out as <laughs> younger people. So you, it's it's the the difficult the rub here is that you you can't really start out as an older person it's a young man's game this pop music thing unfortunately now you can start out and you know I, I you know you you might have that sort of midlife blossom like that Tina Turner had at forty five yeah. you know thirty years ago when she came back with Private Dancer you know maybe you could be in your thirties as the Pet Shop Boys were when they had their first number one back in like eighty six um, The chance of that happening, though, now, as things get more younger and more streamier, is a little bit difficult. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, But it is, you know, pop music is sort of a young man's game. Um, But I think the great thing is about social networks and streams and YouTube and all this other stuff is that we're finding so many other ways to to develop and nurture talent, no matter what age you are or what
1: demographic
0: you appeal to. There's a little something for everyone now.
1: yeah and i totally agree and that's why i'm gonna drop my debut single uh very soon dude you and i we should record a
0: single um and market it through the pop shop and we should make it a very specific kind of like genre single because you know i work in charts and i know how much you have to sell to get onto some of these charts so i think i think we can make it happen um and and it'd be like legit sales but if we made like a reggae track (laughs) <laughs> oh man! Like you wouldn't have to sell that much to get onto some of our on our reggae charts. We could oh, totally. That would be so cool. Like we're like like the worst possible nightmare for reggae music, but we could <laughs> like make it happen.
1: Uh, for those listening, if you want to suggest a title for Keith and my debut reggae single, please hit us up. Maybe a we dance track that might be easier, an
0: EDM track because that's like closer to home for us. But we can't just do something generic <laughs> like pop. It's too hard to compete with pop stuff. They sell too well.
1: Let us know what what the Pop Shop podcast debut single should be called. All right, Keith, let's let's do two more and <clears throat> we'll make these very quick because we, we got to get to Jason Derulo. So, at Rich Baxter wants to know, and this is a very random question that I love, what would it take for Ashley Simpson to come back with a decent sized hit? I would like her stepmother
0: to be on the track
1: with her. Yeah, Diana Ross, come on. Come on, let's Diana. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we, we, um, we, sh- we should tweet to Diana because she's now on Twitter, you know, she joined Twitter recently. We should tweet yeah. to Ms. Ross and say, you know, have you considered a collaboration with Ashley and your son, Evan, perhaps?
1: Mm. Yeah, I would love it. I Listen, aside from her, her sh- kind of shaky third album, uh, Ashley Simpson, super underrated pop rock artist from the mid-2000s, and I would love for her to come back. If she kind of just decided to hit up Max Martin and Shellback and, and do this thing again for real... Uh, I don't know if it would be that successful, just because it's been such a long time. But I think there would be an audience for it. Why not? Let's go. Let's do it. That—that's my answer. Is I think that she needs the right producers. She needs to find the right sound. Dude, not if sure I had I the right a...
0: producers and the right sound, I could have a hit.
1: Well, I, yeah. I, I
0: mean, mean if true. Max Martin's available, I'm sure that he could probably for a reggae me. debut single. Well, no, I mean, if if Max Martin, <laughs> like. Like it was available. It's like, sure, Keith, we can do a charity single. Like like wouldn't it be fun? Like here, it's a pop shop project. Max Martin creates a single for Keith and Jason. We oh my god, can you imagine? He could make us sing well. <laughs> like like our voices would sound amazing,
1: I think. All it would take is a little bit of production well okay, on that note on. we have to get to our last Twitter question oh uh no i agree let's let's do it man why why are we not doing this right now let's do it right after the podcast we'll we'll debut it on the on the new podcast <sighs> become stars and leave this billboard game behind No, that that would be too hard though that what if we become famous and we don't have time to you do know the podcast there there we there, there is
0: that. precedent uh, a former billboard staffer Went on oh, yeah. to actually, there's a, there's kind of a couple precedents. Jimmy Buffett used to be uh, used to write for Billboard back in the '70s before he became big and famous. Um, uh, Cara Diaguardi used to be uh, like the assistant to our like publisher or something a million years ago before she became a hit songwriter and later a judge on American Idol. Um, oh, and here's a fun example, and then I'll shut up. Tommy Page, who of course hit number one back in 1990 with "I'll Be Where Everything," later became our publisher uh, a couple years ago and now he has since left billboard and gone on to some something else but uh yeah that's 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 a different kind of workaround he started as an artist and then came to
1: billboard as an executive Uh, a brief history of pop artists who worked at billboard i love (laughs) um so last one man okay so at simon verzig let's not do that one actually Let's not do that one?
0: Because uh, the, I, I have the answer, but I printed it out. But the far right-hand side of the page where the numbers are at are not on it. And I don't actually have the answer to this question.
1: All right, we'll, it's on we'll my computer, not out. on the piece of paper. We'll edit this out. Um, okay, last question, Keith. Let's do at I'm here to scream, which is easily my favorite Twitter handle that we've gotten a question from. And I'm, uh, So this one is an interesting question that I want to kick to you. What advantage does an artist have in streaming an album for free before release? And th- this is something we see a lot. We're seeing it actually this week. Adam Lambert is streaming his new album, The Original High, on Amazon. I believe Ray Lever is streaming her debut album on iTunes Music. Basically what happens is the week before release, you see a lot of albums streaming for free on different platforms. So, Keith, let me ask you, and I'll, I'll weigh in after you, what, what is what is the advantage of this? Um, the
0: idea is that if you are streaming it, say, through, you know, if it's on the front page of iTunes and it's available to stream a week before the album comes out, you will turn those streams into pre-orders. And there has been, um, you know, anecdotal evidence uh, that I've, you know, because I've asked labels. I'm like, all right, why are you guys doing this? It's like you're just giving it away. I'm like, eh, you actually see pre-orders go up that week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think... Depending on where you're streaming it and how it's set up, you know there could be a, it could be a combination of factors. It could be um, a particular service is paying for the exclusive streaming advance of that album, like perhaps Adam Lambert's making some coin out of this from Amazon directly um, to give them the exclusive one week stream of the album, and then you're going to turn around and hopefully generate further sales and pre-orders out of it. So I think that's what the Mostly is is what is happening here. You're trying to generate sales ultimately uh, with these pre-streams or the pre-release streams. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I, I I think you hit the nail on the head. And you know, you you talk about pre-orders. I, I just think it's it's more exposure when it's done in the right way. I, I think that when you have that kind of, it, it, you see an artist like like I said, Rin Weaver, um, Pop Shop podcast friend, Rin Weaver streaming her album a week ahead of time for free on iTunes uh, radio I believe iTunes Music iTunes Radio it's, I don't know it's, what it's, on it's called iTunes. I should know that but if you go to the iTunes store I mean there's there's a big button where you can see hey listen to the Ren Weaver album right now for free people are going to check that out and if they like it they might pre-order it so I think it's just about exposure and, and trying to get people to know hey listen to this whole thing if you like it you can buy it in a week so i i I hear you man it's not that surprising that it's successful it's a weird thing for sure like i just in terms of like the concept of it like oh we're gonna give this away for free for a week but then after the week you have to buy it but you're gonna want to buy it after you have it for free like that's a that's a strange concept well yeah but but you're
0: giving away a stream you're not giving away a download exactly Yeah. yeah
1: but banking on Enough people wanting that download after hearing it via streaming, it's interesting. And well, yeah, like you I said, th- it's, I think it it works. it's the same. You know, it's the same concept in a way
0: as how you know iTunes used to only offer thirty seconds of a sample of a song, and then they bumped it up to or what is it, you know, forty five seconds. Then they've bumped it up to a minute thirty. Yeah, and you know, the fear is that well, you're hearing so much of the song. You know, maybe you won't want to buy. It. It's like, yeah, but now you're hearing more of the song. Maybe you'll just go ahead and buy the whole thing. And you know, I think they're probably thinking like, okay, now you can stream the whole thing. Maybe you'll still want to buy it. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, now with the whole streaming, like everything you can stream, it's like, why would you ever buy an album? As we go back to that question again, why would you ever just buy a download anymore?
1: Anyway, yeah. Sorry. There. Well. Well, there you go, man. That that's gonna put a bow on Ask the Pop Shop once again. Thank you, everyone. Thank you guys so much for for sending in questions. Sorry if we did not get to it. If you do have any further questions or follow-up questions, like I said, hit us up on Twitter. He is at Keith underscore Caulfield. I am at Jason Lipshutz. All right, man, we got to get to another Jason. This is Jason Derulo. He stopped by the Billboard Studios to talk about his new album, Everything is For, which features the top 10 hit Want to Want Me, as well as his career as a pop performer. Overcoming his injury from a few years ago and going back on tour at the top of 2016. Jason was great. Here he is on the Pop Shot Podcast.
0: No,
2: Jason Arula,
1: hey, thanks what up? for uh, stopping by Billboard. Congrats on Everything is Four. Oh, thanks, brother. Appreciate that, man. Album number four. How different does this feel than the, the other three before it? Man,
2: I feel like I get uh, more and more excited each time. Yeah. You know, you, you would think that in the beginning you'll be, you know, the, the most excited. But I, I feel like, you know, it's, it just gets more, more exciting and the feeling is, is, is more prevalent. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it seems like you've added so much <clears throat> to your repertoire on this album. Like, do you feel like that as well?
2: I feel like, yeah, time has definitely um, been good, man. Um, you know, in terms of me growing as a man and as an artist. Um, definitely added a bunch to the repertoire and um, kept a lot of the old things from the repertoire, and you just continued to expand.
1: Right. Yeah, it's 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 so funny because there's this run on the <clears throat> on the album where it's like four or five different kinds of songs, like completely different kinds of songs. Mm-hmm. Ones with Megan Trainer, you have Keith Urban and Stevie on a track, then you have a, like a tropical track with J Lo. Like, was That's it? That just
2: sounds crazy. Was hearing it back to.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, you you're just like, oh yeah, Stevie Wonder and Keith Urban. Track, <laughs> exactly. and next next tracks, J Lo. Yeah. Uh, was this kind of like a bucket list project where you were like, I've always wanted to work with some of these people? It's
2: definitely a bucket list project, man. I mean, you know, J Lo was you know something that I've always watched and admired, man. And um, Stevie, you know, was one of my heroes, man. So you know, to have those caliber artists on my album is you know it's a dream for anybody, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun creating the album because every Everything was always so experimental and fun, and I wasn't really putting any pressures on myself um it was it was just about the art it was just about the music it was just about the reality um and and uh making that reality come to life on on a, on wax.
1: What was that feeling like when you hear I mean you're obviously a big Stevie fan. What was that like to hear <clears throat> that moment where the song's done and you hear a song fe- featuring Stevie Wonder like was that surreal?
2: I think the moment uh I was in the studio and I watched Stevie walk um, to his booth on his own, you know, with, with nobody's nobody's help. And the moment he started to play the melody, um, you know, that that was uh, created by me. You know, that moment right there is is a, is a crazy one. You know, what I'm saying somebody that you grew up watching, somebody that you um, used to study, you yeah. know, um, is uh, being a part of, you know, something that you created. I think is is is, is pretty crazy, man. And I think it's a, it's a dream come true and um definitely a notch off the bucket list.
1: you're known for touring. you've toured internationally countless times. Um, people are waiting for to, to hear these songs live and, and experience them live is, is that coming in the next couple months? So
2: tour starts at the top of the year. I couldn't be more excited about tour because I get to perform these songs and I bring these songs to life. You know it's one thing to create the song and uh, be able to turn up to them but to actually make the song um, visual is a whole nother thing. Yeah. And uh, just like creating a music video, um, I create um, concepts for my tour so that each and every song has a story and um, you can kind of see the story as you know, you're watching the choreography and watching the different lighting. Because um, I grew up in, in theater, musical theater. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So tour is gonna be a spectacle. I'm um, so couldn't be more excited.
1: Now, are you, like, I know you're a couple of years removed from your accident now, mm. and you've toured since then, but, like, is it ever in the back of your mind at all, like, to, when you're doing a move that's more difficult to ever, like, is there any ever, is there ever any hesitation for something like that, or is it just completely out of your mind?
2: After my injury, uh... I didn't I never had any reservations, you know what I'm saying? At the beginning it was tough to get back. Yeah. But once I was back, I was just worried about pushing forward and how was I gonna continue to inspire myself to keep it going, but also inspire those who weren't as fortunate as me. You yeah. know, some people had the same injury that I had and were, were not as fortunate. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I felt like I, I had a tremendous weight on my back that I had to, you know, take across the finish line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, good to have you back, man. Appreciate Congrats it. Congrats on everything, is for and uh, thanks Appreciate for it. thanks for chatting with Billboard and as always. Sweat, man. Absolutely. So thanks again to Jason Derulo for stopping by the Pop Shop podcast. He also did something very fun with Billboard that I can't wait to share. I don't we know when it's. Tell you
2: about it. Yeah,
1: we can't sh- we can't share, but it, it it was awesome. So you can probably like if you've been. Following Billboard video series, you, you'll probably know what it is, but even so, it was great.
0: It, it means that he's, he's done an interview with me. Not yeah. really,
1: no. No, no, no. Keith, are you ready, my man? Yes. For your <laughs> chart stat of the week. Jason? What's up?
0: Did you ever know that you're my hero?
1: Oh, I did know that.
0: You're, you're everything I wish I could be.
1: And, yeah. and you no, know, I,
0: I I could fly higher than an eagle because you are the wind beneath my wings.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Thanks, man. Yeah.
0: Um. So uh, we're speaking of, of course, the song Wind Beneath My Wings, uh, which this week in 1989 hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart for the Divine Miss M. Bette Midler, uh, It is Bette's one and only number one single on the Hot 100, but it is not, of course, her only hit single. She broke through in the early 70s um, with uh, songs like Do You Want to Dance and Boogie Woogie Boogie Boy um, and, and really made a name for herself as sort of like the all-around entertainer, so much so that she won the 1973 Best New Artist Grammy Award. Um, and, you know, she went on to have an amazing career and continues to do so, of course, um, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s as an actress, a singer, a comedian. You know, she's uh, she's really kind of like a true triple, quadruple threat. Um, but this week in 1989, her song from the movie Beaches, in which she co-starred in with Barbara Hershey, hit number one on the Hot 100, was her first number one hit. She had previously visited the top 10 with songs like as I said before, Boogie Woogie Boogie Boogle Boy, which is such a weird thing to go into the top 10, you know, the cover of Boogie Woogie Boogie yeah, Boy. seriously. Um, and she hit number three with The Rose, which was the title track from um, her uh, Oscar-nominated uh, performance in The Rose, where she played a Janis Joplin-like character. That hit number three in 1980. Um, while she didn't go to number one again after When Beneath My Wings, she did hit number two with From a Distance, uh, <laughs> which which the world looks blue and green. Basically it's the, you know, um, save the world type anthem, um, kind of like hitting you over the head with from a distance. Everything looks great, but when you get really close, everything's falling apart. Don't you want to help the planet? But anyway, I digress. Um, bet's on tour right now. Go catch her in her show. If you haven't seen her, um, Jason, I think you're a fan of uh, one of her films, which is called Hocus Pocus. Am I correct in that? Hell yeah, man. Who isn't? She does a Hocus Pocus uh, segment in the show. What? (laughs) No way, really? Yes, where she actually dresses like her character from Hocus Pocus. She plays a witch in Hocus Pocus. This is an old 90s movie. Um, And every Halloween, you see it trending on Twitter and Tumblr because everyone, like this millennials love this movie. Um, And... In her concert, she dresses up in the the crazy wig and the outfit and the teeth and the makeup, and she comes out and sings "I Put a Spell on You," which is her big song from the movie. Um, And it's—I did not know this. Find it on YouTube. It is such a hoot. Um, But anyway, yes, this week in 1989, Bette Midler hit number one with "Wind
1: Beneath My Wings." Thank you, Keith, for your chart set of the week. You know what was funny? Speaking of Bette Midler, what, it, this wasn't on uh, the podcast, but when uh, B. Miller stopped by a, a couple weeks ago, she was telling me a story about how someone on social media confused her with Bette Midler because and, <laughs> yeah, okay. and was like and was like, "Weren't you in Hocus Pocus? But you were so young. That movie came out." So, and they were like, and B. Miller was like, "No, that's Bette Midler, not B. Miller." Anyway. Keith, that's going to do it for us at the Pop Shop Podcast. Thanks again for to those who put in questions. We will be back regular time next Thursday morning with more Hot 100 and chart goodness. Keith, do you have any party words? <clears throat> um,
0: did you know that uh, Bette Midler and Barry Manilow once played bathhouses in New York back in <laughs> back in like the late '60s or early '70s? That's how. That's how Barry got his start. He 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 accompanied her on piano. You know, this is true. Like actual like gay <laughs> bathhouses. Like this, like like that's why she's her nickname is Bathhouse Betty. Um, like Bathhouse Bet, get it? Bet, Betty. Um, and truly, he played piano for her in bathhouses where there's like dudes, like gay dudes, in like towels, like listening to her sing and Barry play piano.
1: This is the, uh, these are the best parting words.
0: Sorry, this um, is really long. I like Bette Midler. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that this existed.
0: Long parting uh, words. Normally I have none, so I'm making up for the fact that I had none for like months.
1: I know, man. I appreciate that. Well, w- let's go out on a Bette Midler song. Which, which song do you want? Well, why not Wind Beneath My Wings? Wind Beneath My Wings it is. Thanks for listening and take care. Oh,